What is the difference between the local and universal church? What type of unity should Christians that attend different local churches have? Today on Theology Unplugged, we continue our discussion of the church. One thing I don't, or I think we need to cover, I, I, and I, I'm not sure I understand fully, and I, I'm not sure if we're going to get it fully, but we did do a podcast not too long ago, um, not, not a radio program, but a podcast on Roman Catholicism. Now, whenever we, we, we've talked to people uh, so far about the church visible, the professing fa- the saints, the church invisible, the true body of Christ, the church universal, the church local, kind of the same type of thing. Now, whenever you're talking about Protestantism, we, we, right here in this room, we got slight diversity represented about where we go to church locally. So Tim goes to a different church than I do locally. Yep, the one true church. The one true church. Okay. So, so <laughs> dot, dot com. Uh, and, and and JJ Sam and I we go to the same church. Are we? Are JJ Sam and I more? Um, yes. Not, no, no, not right. <laughs> not right. Wrong. United. Or mm-hmm. are we just as united with Tim as we are with each other? We're just as united with Tim if we confess and hold to the same doctrinal beliefs, even if we're under different pluralities of elders in different local churches. Well, you're saying something crazy here, because what you're saying is you're saying it doesn't matter what church local you go to, not not, not doesn't matter in general, but uh, specifically what we're talking about, Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, uh, Lutherans uh, across the board, and possibly even Catholics or Eastern Orthodox, you're saying that... they, we, we're all united as one if we are part of the true church or the invisible church. Is that right? Well, I think it gets a little complicated <laughs> from here because I'd say, yeah, you know, we're a part of the body of Christ. We're a part of the capital C church, but we aren't part of the same little C church. And this is where some significant differences, you know, we talk about uh, kind of these circles of importance or of orthodoxy, you know, say, okay, if we believe in Jesus as our savior, we believe uh, the resurrection, you know, things that would make us be Christians or part of the capital C church. But if let's say charismatic issues. So if one is heavily charismatic, one isn't, well, our churches aren't comfortable in being integrated. You know, if we both worshiped and did everything under the same roof, we'd say, man, this is, we're just not resonating here, right? But we're still part of the same capital C church, but uh, there are particularities among or diversity among the lower C churches where we'd say, yeah, that's a brother in Christ. Uh, we are one in Christ, uh, but we are not part of the same local C church for maybe fine reasons that we would say are not uh, major differences in the church, but things that we'd say, you know, these are kind of minor things, but they're things that we respect each other enough to say, yes, you know, I won't be a part of your church, you won't be a part of my church, but we love each other as one body of Christ. For our listeners, those are typically referred to as closed-handed versus open-handed issues, or primary versus secondary issues, or things we can agree to disagree on versus hills to die on. Exactly. Yeah. here's, Here's a way to think of it. Um, Tim and I, I'll use Tim and me as, a, uh, as an example. Tim and I are, share a common faith in a common Savior, and I believe that we are both born again. We're both justified by faith alone. Our uh, citizenship, as Paul says in Philippians 3, together is in heaven. We are members of the universal body. 
But the fact of the matter is, Tim is under the authority of elders that um, that are not part of my local assembly. I am an elder at Bridgeway Church, but Tim is not under my authority. I have no. I have no. Um, well, uh, how do you know? How do you know Tim's church has elders and they're authoritative in any sense? You're well, assuming a lot, right? Well, well actually, well, yeah, no. That's, maybe this is something for the future. Yeah, but yeah it is. But I'm obviously, I, I, I know the church that he attends, and I know <laughs> okay. that it is, I know what they believe, and they share our convictions theologically almost across the board. And I know that there are duly constituted elders there, and I know that Tim believes that they exercise spiritual authority over his life. I don't exercise spiritual authority over Tim's life. Now, doesn't mean I can't call him to account and challenge him as, as he can me. I mean, I'm an elder. He's not, but he has every right as a Christian brother to speak into my life. Um, and if, in fact, I don't respond well, he ought to go to the elders of Bridgeway and say, I've got concerns about uh, this individual in your church. His name is Sam. He's your pastor. You need to address these. But the point is this. Um, although we share the most basic and fundamental unity as members of the universal church, I do not exercise spiritual or moral authority over Tim. Because Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he, when he challenges the elders, he said, shepherd those who are in your charge. Mm -hmm. Tim is not in my charge. Those who are in my charge are those who have voluntarily identified themselves as submitting to my leadership at my local assembly. Tim has voluntarily chosen to submit himself to the leadership of the elders of his local assembly. So there's obviously ways in which we are distinct and different, but what m is most important is that we are united by our common faith in one Savior. Hmm. And well, I, you, br I, I you think brought up some good issues about, uh, about uh, church discipline that we'll have to do one or two podcasts on. Yeah, or, and or that's kind of what I was on. going to talk about, because I think an American listening to this is going to say, no, you know, if, if there's something that I don't like about my church, I just go to the next church down the street. And if there's something about that church, I go to the next one down the street. And we just don't have this concept today, unfortunately, of submitting underneath the authority. Which of will people. bring up the question is, is there actually legitimacy in the local church outside of any of this stuff? And whenever people are hopscotching around. Now, let, let me let me back up and let me, let me give an illustration. And maybe the this is good, maybe this is bad. But I think the audience will identify with it first, and then we can break it apart and see if this is uh, what what we mean. I've got uh, four kids, and I've got two daughters. Uh, my first two daughters are uh, uh, just as distant and far apart as you could possibly be personality-wise. I mean, one is just is straightforward, logical thinker, everything has an answer, and I'm going to find that answer, and if anything's going on in your life, I'll just get the right answer and fix it. Kylie is so emotionally acute <laughs> and in tune, and if you are hurt or anything like that, she is right there by your side, not giving answers, just giving hugs, right? And these two girls don't get along very well, okay? Caitlin, Kylie, if you're listening, start. <laughs> straightening up. Caitlin, okay. let Kylie just give you a hug. Please, yes. just one. Caitlin won't. I mean, she will not. Kylie comes and gives her a hug, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't <laughs> take this. Um, so, so, okay, they're very different, bickering, fighting all the time, uh, but part of the same DNA, part of my family, right? Caitlin gets along with Zach really well, my boy. Kylie gets along with Will really well. So they've kind of formed little segments, uh, little localities, little visible unities within our family. 
still part of the same family, right? Just think different, do things different, and congregate necessarily towards each other and away from uh, one group or another. Now, number one, is that kind of like what we're talking about when we're talking about different churches, local churches, but sharing the same spiritual DNA? I think one thing we have to say at the very beginning, because we tend to be Gnostic in our thought, in other words, we forget that the body matters and that we were created to be embodied, uh, is that at a certain level, one reason you have local churches is because none of us are omnipresent. <laughs> we live in different places. We can't fly at the speed of light. You know, at the, a certain fundamental level, there's a church in Corinth and a church in Ephesus because God created humans in his image, and yet he made us embodied. And so we live in a place. Yeah, but Caitlin and Kylie are in the same house. I mean, they ought to be together That's right. part so of the same So now you're hinting church. at a secondary reason why there might be different local churches, which might be disagreement. But I don't want us to forget that local churches are not inherently sinister. And you see that today where there's this uh, belief that because there's a church in Edmond and a church in Oklahoma City that there's something fundamentally wrong. But, but here, here's what I tell them. I sit them down. I say, Kylie, Caitlin, you guys are sisters. You guys should love each other, and you should appreciate each other's differences. Caitlin, you have your strengths. Kylie, you have your strengths. Both of you have your weaknesses, and you can help each other out in that area. Now, don't we, as, as, especially as Protestants, don't we sometimes congregate according to specific personality traits of the church or, as uh, J.J. put it earlier, secondary issues? And then we, we, it's kind of like in the family. You begin to breach all over the place. And there's no unity. And, and, and why don't we call them together and say, hey, even though there's differences, there's those strengths and differences that play a part in making you better. Kylie, you can help Caitlin. Caitlin, you can help Kylie. Baptist, you can help Presbyterian. Presbyterian, you can help Methodist. Let's get back together and quit you know, saying we, we need to necessarily divide over these issues. It makes us weaker rather than stronger. Is that right? Am I good? Well, yeah, but we have to di we have to differentiate between personality and principle. Um, and in our local church, personalities we have them all across the board. We have introverts, extroverts. We have people who like to hug, people who like to argue. Um, you have hipsters, and then people who wear sweater vests. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and um, you know, no comment there. <laughs> um, For our listeners, Sam is one of the latter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you don't think I'm a hipster? <laughs> hipster. You might be. You might be both. You have an iPad, and you wear a sweater vest. That's right. Yeah. Don't, know, don't know how to use the iPad. But, <laughs> um, so, getting back to the main point here: difference between personality and, and principle. Um, I can. Um, function quite well and effectively in my local church with people uh, who are of a vastly different personality. JJ and I are at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personality, temperament, relational style. We are just as different as night is from day. But on the matter of principle, we share uh, common theological convictions, uh, not only in the fundamental closed-handed doctrines, but even in the secondary issues that are more open-handed. Um, we have a common agreement about the, the recipients of baptism and the mode of baptism. We have a common conviction about uh, worship style, for example, um, a number of, 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 of issues of that sort. So we naturally congregate together, even though we are vastly different, like Kylie and Caitlin are, 
Um, and that exists within the body of Christ. And I think that I, I don't want people to think that they ought to be looking for a church where everybody is like them. I think you thrive with diversity. I think you're challenged by it. You're, you're forced to examine your own heart. So um, I'm not going to be a part of a local church that I believe is practicing or believing things of grave importance that are contrary to the Word of God. But I can be a part of a local church in which I'm really an oddball, and I dress differently, and I talk differently, and my emotional reaction is different from other people. But as long as we share a common conviction, I think we can thrive together as a local body. Well, we would all agree that we congregate towards sameness naturally, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we, we want to be around people that are like us. And maybe we'll talk about that in a future broadcast and asking the question about what what uh, what is worthy in principle or in doctrine to say, all right, this is the line in the sand. And if we draw that line in the sand, is that line so deep that it makes a chasm and says, oh, those on the other side are not Christian? Uh, you know, because I think what we'll say, and I, I don't want to get too much into it, but what we'll say is that there are certain things that you may still be part of my spiritual DNA, but at the same time, we do need to have this separation. There are uh, many, and there are many church divisions and splits and formations of denominations that might have been preventable if people's consciences had been educated as to what's appropriate to divide over and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And and it is tragic. Uh, people, we laugh at this, but have churches split? Oh, because of a dispute over the color of carpet in the auditorium? Yeah, they have. Yeah. Have, have churches split because uh, some of the people wanted wooden pews and the others wanted uh, theater seats? Yeah, they have. And that's tragic. And that sends a very bad message to the non-Christian community around us. But um, have there been splits, as in First John 2, because some were uh, seriously questioning, if not denying, a fundamental truth of the Christian faith, such as the incarnation of Christ? The answer is yes. And those kinds of splits are essential and necessary. Hmm. There's a reason why we're commanded to pray that the unity of the Spirit would be preserved in the bond of peace, because it doesn't happen by default. It's something the Holy Spirit has to act like spiritual glue to hold a bunch of sinners together. Huh. Okay. Now, um, let, let's, let's talk about this from the Catholic perspective for a moment, because we've dealt with universal, local, um, visible, and invisible. Do you mean Roman Catholic? Yeah, or Roman Catholic. Catholic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good distinction, especially with what we're talking about here, uh, because Catholic means universal. <laughs> uh, so we're talking so about, you believe in the Catholicity of the church, don't you? Yeah, the universalness of the yeah. church, what we've been talking about here, All definitely. Right. So let, let's let's make an argument, and I know we've already done a Catholic series, but I don't even think we're going to talk on this. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. <laughs> Goody Two Shoes Protestant. We need Protestant. to be precise here. Well, I already put the context for Catholic. Everybody okay. knows. Okay, from henceforth, whenever Michael says Catholic, he means Roman Catholic. Yeah, I like your watch, by the way. Oh, Can thanks, I? brother. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll send a picture out on that. Just check on. Uh, yeah, just so you know, so the the arms don't move and the watch moves around. So the seconds, the minutes, and the hours actually are moving instead of the hands. Huh. And if you say the brand, maybe they'll mail the rest of us a free one. Maybe we should. Well, it was, it was actually handmade in Japan and sent here, but I found it cheap online. Catholics would say, <laughs> Roman Catholics would say that this this stuff we've been talking about so far and probably going to have to get into later on would all be avoided uh, I think without, as long as we avoid the distinctions that we've been making between the church visible and the church invisible, because once you make that distinction, then it opens the door for all kinds of issues and problems. And so don't Roman Catholics 
um, really, uh, they, they wouldn't really agree with what we've done in these broadcasts so far. Said in these, for, for the most part, when we talk about these distinctions and and the invisible church, um, it's not that they don't believe in the invisible church. It's just that you cannot disconnect the visible church from the invisible church. Well, and to bring great clarity, the if to say in a sentence the reason why they disagree with Protestants is that they don't believe that Scripture is sufficient to tell us who the church is and how it functions. And we do. We believe Scripture is wholly sufficient when it comes to building our ecclesiology or our doctrine of the church. Catholics believe in the visible representation of the church as represented by Pope magisterial authority within the church. So that we've got authority there. We talked about authority before within the local church, church discipline a slight bit. But now we've got an one authority, which is authoritative over the entirety of the Catholic Church, whereas uh, you don't have that same type of thing within uh, Protestantism, because I think fundamentally we start with an emphasis upon the invisible church as being the most important, and the visible church being secondary, or a, a secondary expression of the congregation of the saints and the hypocrites. Uh, whereas they say, no, you got to start with the visible because if without the visible, you cannot define the invisible. you got to start with the visible so that you can administer the sacraments in order to make the, vis- uh, the visible church. So is that true? Is that, or, or, and I'm not saying let's get into it about with, with Catholics. What I'm saying is this. Is that a distinction between Protestants and Catholics? Silence. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, it's definitely different ways. I think from Protestants, this is why, I mean, a lot of times we've talked about this in the past, Protestants have basically no ecclesiology. I mean, in, a, in an essence that for, a, you know, like if, for instance, if a Roman Catholic says, hey, we're starting a new uh, church in some city in, in Minnesota or something, Roman Catholic, you know very clearly, hey, okay, I, I know all about this. I know it's going to, I know who the leadership is. I know what, I know everything about this church. There's no surprises. If, if a Protestant says, hey, I'm starting a church in St. Paul, Minnesota, it's like, oh, wow, okay, are you going to have elders? Are you going to baptize people? Are you going to preach? Are you going to even meet together? Or are you all just going to meet in people's houses? I mean, it's because there are, in a certain sense, because the only rule book is the Bible, uh, in a sense, there's no set game plan that is true across all Protestant churches, local churches. There's so much diversity where inside of Roman Catholicism, there isn't nearly as much diversity as it relates to what a visible church looks like. Well, and again, I don't want our listeners to be overly confused. There's really only three buckets. And uh, Greg Allison helped me here. He's a great author, a professor at Southern Baptist Theological. But Greg's going to say, look, you either think Scripture is wholly sufficient, it's enough to tell us how to do it and what it is and how it functions, or you think it's enough, enough, for the areas it does speak to, and we have to sort of tack on church tradition to help a little bit in some areas, or it's not enough. Catholics would say it's not enough. Anglicans would say it's enough enough, but you look at the church fathers and you look at scripture and you realize there's not just elders and deacons, there's bishops too. But for those of us who say it's enough, we would say, no, there's Elders and deacons, why? Because that's what we see in the New Testament. And Scripture tells us what the church is, how it functions, and where it's headed. Huh. Well, then we talk about the authority then. And we say, uh, the, the Catholic would respond, and, and I, I think we need to have a whole broadcast on this probably. But they would say, who gave you the right? You know, somebody says, 
I'm going to start a church. God told me last night to start a church. And, and they go out and start a church, right? In Protestantism, we can do that. Uh, I mean, as, as long as you're not associating with a denomination that requires some type of ordination into that denomination. But is that okay? I mean, I know a Baptist would say, well, you can't be a Baptist. Uh, because, well, no, Baptist wouldn't. That's a bad one. Uh, Presbyterian might say you can't be a Presbyterian because you have to go through this process. But then you would ask the Presbyterian, but is it a legitimate local church? And they say, well, yeah, sure. I mean, anybody can start a church. Can anybody start a church in Protestantism? I'd say yes. I mean, well, as it relates to can you have a church where it's just you too? <laughs> you know, because because part of a church is hopefully people are following the leader, the lead pastor. I mean, it's hard to shepherd nobody, right? And uh, so, but if you have a gathering, and I mean, I know places where it's a church that meets in a bar on Sunday morning. They use uh, Coca Cola instead of wine for communion. They use Doritos instead You're of bread. You're giving away too much stuff. I know. I know. Well, like I'm a... giving some examples, but I'm giving. I mean, some just examples. the Doritos alone won't give us a podcast. <laughs> I know, but just at least the, you did say Twinkie. <laughs> yeah. but that's, well, there's a pastor right now that's saying, that's a good idea. Uh, maybe like the, the filling is the blood. And the, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, You're going to lose your thought. <laughs> no, but my thought is, is that within Protestantism, because people say, well, I just have the Bible, then it's open to interpretation of what certain things mean. Where Roman Catholics are going to say, yes, Protestants, that's why you guys have so many denominations is because you guys have no structure over you that is true for all even if you're Presbyterian, Baptist, or whatever. And so you do have people that are starting things that don't even look like churches in any way, shape, or form, but they're calling themselves churches. Well, what does a church and look so, like? I yeah, mean, that's, that's, like, exactly. that's, you just opened up a huge can of worms, Michael. Way to go, well, brother. I'm and just throwing puzzle pieces that's around. Right. What are the irreducible but, but the point elements? is you asked a question that it, the only way to answer it is we've got to define what a church is. We haven't done that yet. Okay. We've, we've talked about this distinction between universal and local, what is a local church? I mean, let, let me just uh, real quickly here. Um, we're sitting around a table. There are four of us, and we've, we've got our Bibles open. Michael doesn't, but the uh, three spiritual guys do. I've, I've got it open on my mind. <laughs> we've got our Bibles open. We open with prayer. Where, where do you want to go? You have Diet um, Coke here, which we have, serve as the blood. Right. So uh, we're, we all believe that we are born-again men. Are we a local church in this room right now where we're, you know, Four of us are present, um, educated guys, born again, open our Bibles, pray together, um, we care for each other. Why are we not a local church? Are, are there factors that have to be present? Is it a question of our commitment one to another? Is it, a fact, is it that we have to meet weekly to record these programs? Uh, if we only meet once a month, does that mean we're really not a church? What, what are the defining characteristics that constitute a, a, a gathering of people in a local geographical area, a church. What? That is the That's massive right. question. Is George Barna right when he says two Christians on the golf course on a Sunday morning are having church? Right. You know, is the is the Christ, is, is the disenchanted Christian college student in the coffee shop who says, "I don't go to church. I am the church." Is he right, or is there something flawed in what he's saying? Oh, yeah, that, you know. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> Listen. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like marriage, you know. We're trying to define marriage in our country and what makes a marriage. And you know, one time uh, back in the Middle Ages, uh, in order to be married in certain parts of Europe, you would say, 
I marry you. And the other person would say, I marry you. And that was it. Nobody present, nothing else. I mean, it was uh, no state coming in and saying that's legitimate or illegitimate. And even no church coming in saying that's legitimate or illegitimate. It was just a cultural or a societal thing. Now, here's what I propose right now. See if you guys are good with this. Uh, we are, we're not a local church because I don't think we've ever said it. But right now, let's be a church. And I don't even like you guys. Boom. I want to be a part of this church. Boom. We're a church. Okay. Right? Okay. Uh, first church of the theology unplugged in the credo house i mean I, hey wait a minute no no don't laugh you guys are laughing but why not i mean that's that's the, what we're gonna have to discuss right exactly i mean it's it's can it be that easy uh from whatever denomination or perspective or protestant or anything else you come to is that how we establish it because we do have churches that pop up all the time by lunch meetings or, or something like this. And boom, they're the first church of whatever. I would have to say no. I, I think we could say today we are committed to forming and establishing a local church of the Theology Unplugged guys. Um, but simply gathering here and having that intention in our hearts does not constitute us a local church. Hmm. Maybe we'll talk about internet churches later. Theology Unplugged is presented by the Credo House. For more information on the Credo House, visit www.credohouse.org.